This also isn't in your notes, right? John 4. Who knows what happened in John 4? Say it, Mel. There's a woman who meets Jesus at the well. This is called the well. And eternal life turned up and met earthly life and started having a conversation about water. And the earthly life was interpreting everything through the mind of earth and missing everything the one of the eternal was saying. And we can do exactly the same thing. Okay? So the well is about creating a wellspring within you. But for that to happen, we've got to be able to hear what's truly being communicated through the power of the Holy Spirit and then allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. So what I'm saying is don't try to understand what I'm about to say over the next six weeks through your mind unless you have a renewed mind, then agree and say yes and amen because you'll actually be able to go, yes, I'm one with that reality because my spirit received it. My mind has been renewed to it so I can see it. Cool? The challenge for us as his people is to continue to use a default operating system called the mind of man, the carnal mind, to try and understand the spiritual word of God. Okay, And that's why we get confused. That's why your head will hurt. Because you're trying to grasp something that this doesn't have the capacity to understand it. So it's really hard because when that's your natural order, which it is in the world, isn't it? Like when you go into the world, you don't go, I'm going to learn by the Spirit today. You go, no, I'm going to learn through the mind because that's the operating system of the world. But when you come into this context and when you're in Christ, you have to lose or leave that operating system and now it's a brand new operating system that you have to apply. And that's not so easy to be able to do, hence we want to come into the fulfilment of this operating system through revelation, which is what we talked about on Sunday, which is in you. And you see in John 4, and I would encourage you to go have a look in your own time, this dialogue between the eternal and earthly speech. And the woman at this point in time really doesn't have any understanding of what's being said. But God's loving her, working with her, and wants to get her to a particular point. But we never really know if that happens. You know, the story doesn't necessarily end like the Hollywood story. We don't really know if she went and got a husband. We don't really know if the wellspring of life became her reality. It doesn't say that. But what it does say is there was this interaction, there's a dialogue, and one was asking for buckets. One was talking about a Messiah that was coming, and he said, but I am the Messiah. One was talking about when he said, you worship a God you don't know, but you think you do. And so there's this dialogue. So I really want to encourage us, if you don't understand something that's being said, that's okay. Seek Him. Seek Him and ask Him. Grab the recordings, allow them to wash over you, over you, because stuff's going to come flying out of my spirit. I can feel it now, you won't be able to capture it. And when it goes, it goes, and I try to control it, but when it goes, it goes, okay? So just come with me. Cool? All right, introduction. <laughs> Page one. I'll read this reasonably quickly. This discipleship resource tool, The Well, is all about bringing us back to who we, we have been created to be and the life in Christ we were predestined to know, 
from the beginning of creation. That's what we're going to unpack. We're going to actually go back and have a look at God and God's design from the beginning and know this is where we should have started from. Okay? The well is about looking to the one who is the solution rather than addressing the problem. So often we think, I've got to address the problem to get over myself. You know, we, we use language like this, I've got to die to myself. Okay, no, the Bible says deny self. You don't die to self. You can't die to you. You actually have to look and fix your eyes on Christ. And then when you get revelation of Christ, that revelation crucifies self. And you won't live for self. But you don't go trying to kill yourself. Your eyes are fixed on the Christ. And if your eyes are fixed on Him, you just won't live for you. Because what He shows you in Himself is greater than you. That's where all the freedom and that's where all the rest is. Okay, so we don't look to the problem. We might go, I've got this issue, I've got that issue, I've got this. We've all got issues, haven't we? So <laughs> let's look to the solution, who is the Christ. That's back to front, isn't it? You see, so we're going to look to Him. We look to Him, we will become who and what we behold. That's the point. We want to become who we behold. So it says that we're to be created into the image of the Son, correct? Not our image of God, His image of Himself within us. So we must look to Him and may our gaze be fixed on Him. We have, pre, we have been predestined to be in true fellowship with God. Okay, We're going to look at true fellowship. It's not cups of tea. It's not friendship. Okay, that's earthly, nothing wrong with that. But fellowship is divine, it's eternal, it's spiritual oneness based on your intimacy with the Father and that causes intimacy and oneness with one another. If I do not have fellowship with the Father, I will not have it with one another because that's the source it all comes from. I can have friendship with you, but I won't have fellowship with you. Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, we have true fellowship with God being partakers of His divine nature and ambassador of His life on this earth there are many words which describe who we've been chosen to be and each name describes a different aspect of who we are as His people so the Bible uses words like His possession so we're called to be His possession so He wants to possess all of us He wants you to give Him all of your heart so he comes, he's quite hungry, he's, you know, he's quite greedy. He's like, 99 isn't enough, Greg. 100 or none. Well, what do you get for that? You get all and more. Okay. So don't sabotage your own walk because you might be afraid of what the future in him looks like. Just jump and jump together. That's a real good way to go. Okay, so he calls us the bride, he calls us a body, he calls us sons, priests, nations, saints, kings, children, overcomers and ears. That's one kind of people described through multiple aspects. Okay. In order to live from this predestined life, God must become our taproot. Oh, anyone do gardening here apart from Paul Costello? <laughs> anyone know about tap roots? Very strong, aren't they? Nine times out of ten, you can't actually pull them out in your own strength. So you need something of a greater power. 
you need a, some sort of machinery to rip out the tap root. Well, if you put that into the spiritual context, we're all born with the wrong tap root. We're all born with self as a tap root because that was the fall. So we need a greater power to come in and rip out the root of self and implant the root of love, him. So that's a massive issue because that's not something that happens when you just pray a prayer. That's actually got to be something that happens through to experience. That's like God's hand reaches into the pit of you and your innermost being and grabs hold of that root and literally re-roots you. He like rips that out and then re-roots you into himself, which is Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Colossians being grounded and rooted in love, which is him. All right, so we're gonna we're unpacking that right now. This is something that's like, oh my goodness, that's a bit full on. And sometimes we may not even know our root because just because you're raised in a Christian home, you attend Christian services, you sing songs, you go through tradition and ceremony, that doesn't mean you've been rerouted. None of that means really anything. That's just external stuff you're going through. So you can be no different from someone in the world. Their lifestyle is not that, that's different, but the same root exists in all of mankind. So you need a greater source, a greater power to enter into you and do the work that you can't do. Amen? All right. So it's okay if that hasn't happened, but he wants to do it. So let him do it. And how he does it in you can be very different from the person beside you. So there is no right, wrong. There's no method. He'll show you what he's about to do. He'll tell you what he's going to do. And then he gives you what's on the other side of that. Life, which is awesome. So there's a massive difference between God being in your life and God being your life. Massive difference between God being in your life, but actually God being your whole life. Okay. So just in the middle of the page, it says, we can't grow inwardly spiritually if our tap root, the root that is the source of life, is still us. We can't grow inward spiritually if the tap root is still us. Here's the kicker. We can do a whole lot of things externally for God. So Peter walked on water and he was still the tap root of his own life. Peter cast out demons, and he was still the tap root of his own life. Because when he actually got into Jesus' face, Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Now he didn't have Satan in him, but his root was of the demonic. So he says, get behind me. You set your mind on man's interest right now. So it's fully possible to be a Christian, and your tap root is still self, meaning you. You're covered by love, but you haven't been crucified and rerouted in love. So you can still minister, you can still hear his voice, you can still do certain things, but there'll come a point in your life where he asks for all of you and you won't be able to give you. Isn't that what happened to Peter? Isn't that what happens to all the disciples? Because they all said they'd follow him. And when he said, it's time to give me your life and lay it down, none of them could. But look what they'd done with Christ 
but they couldn't go to the final part of the entire thing, so they were only in half of a reality. But God is love and God is faithful, and God spoke and said, you will get to that side, but I've got to lead you through a process which your flesh isn't going to like. But it has to be crucified for you to know what's on the other side of this cross. So the eternal life within us that's full and overflowing is on the other side of being rerouted. Now the challenge is nobody wants to die. And the self in you, which is demonic, doesn't want to be touched. So if you think about this, you don't have a demon in you. I hope you don't. <laughs> but what is in you if you haven't been rerouted? If you're still rooted in you, it's demonic. So what happens when Jesus turned up with the demons? They wanted to get out of there, correct? Well, that's what your flesh wants to do. When he comes for it like this with his sword and goes, I've come to set you free from you, but you don't know that, you want to get out of here as quick as possible. And you've got to stay and let the sword of the Spirit pierce, cut, sever and release you from you. Then he reroutes you in him and you get up and you're like, I can live because I just got circumcised of the heart in a way that I've never had it because I've been trying to understand all this in my mind going round and round and round the mountain and I can't live what this says and so I'm frustrated. And that's what God wants to do in every single person that says, I'll follow you. He goes, okay, let's go. Now you're following him where? Ultimately before something of life. To your death. So when he said to his guys, hey guys, pick up your cross. Your cross. Okay. <laughs> where are we going? Don't ask. <laughs> what was the cross for? <laughs> See, don't ask those questions. Just pick it up and let's go. Because otherwise you won't go if I tell you. Okay. But he wasn't getting on that cross. He had his own cross to bear. They were going to get on that cross spiritually, okay? which is a crucifixion. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life I live, I live by faith in the Christ because I went through, through power, my own crucifixion. I wasn't a bystander of the cross. I was a partaker and a participant in the gospel. Philippians 1 verse 5 to 6, we unpacked that on Sunday morning. So the cross actually went to work in me. And it's the power of God for those who are being saved, but to those who are not, it's foolishness. So Christ, Christ crucified is the way to this eternal life now, not in eternity, now for the overflowing life. So we've all got to go through the narrow way. And nothing about our flesh wants to go there. So we try to access life around the door and we're not in it. Now we've got to go through. Okay? So he wants to give you a brand new source called himself. So we lose us as source, gain him as source. And the greatest hoodwink is that you can do a whole lot of things for God and still be the source of you. I wish he never did it that way because then you'd know something. 
But because you can do and you might be finding your identity and your purpose and your sense of meaning and accomplishment in all what you do, you don't realise there's a problem. And I'm not saying there is a problem. You might have journeyed through that. You may have been released from you and you'll know if you have because you'll have the testimony of the work done within you. David said, I want truth in the innermost part which is hidden. It's even hidden from us. Many people don't even know it's even there. He has to show you that. So he has to and he wants to release us. And this is why we start with this at the intro because if the tap root doesn't go, we're going to struggle. We'll be trying to access stuff. We can do certain things, but we will never come into the fullness of life in us and allow it to flow because that's where the abiding life is. Okay, you can't abide out of you as the source. There's no good in us. The only good that's in us is himself. So we're going to look at four things over these weeks. Just at the bottom, I'm just skipping a bit. The promise, the problem, the perfected, the prayer. So these are the four main elements that are going to carry us. The promise, the problem, the perfected, the prayer. Don't you love how the promise is first? He always starts with a promise. Okay, so on page two. <laughs> and you'll realise that what you're hearing is not, not being said on Sunday. Might be said differently, might be different scriptures, but it's just a continuation of him doing what he's doing. So Ephesians 1, 4-5, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So if you're his, you were chosen in him before it ever began. Now that's a promise, which means you didn't choose you, which means you didn't accept you. So why do we struggle if people reject us? If they never chose you and accepted you, why are you struggling with rejection? Because you actually don't know you were chosen by him. Because when you have a revelation that he chose you, you never struggle because you're not looking for man's affirmation. Because you've got your affirmation from the Father. I don't care. Reject me, I don't care. I don't need anything from you. I found it and he is more than enough. So that revelation alone revolutionises the church. All the identity issues, rejection issues, poor self-esteem issues go if you got that one revelation. That's good news, isn't it? See why we don't look at the problem, we look to the solution, Christ. We don't try and fix ourselves I'm not against counselling, so please hear me, but we don't try to fix ourselves. A counsellor or someone you go to can only identify the symptoms, okay? And you can address symptoms, but we want to deal with the root. And if you deal with the root, all the symptoms go. Because the symptoms are a byproduct of a root. Jesus had no issues, did he? <laughs> and if Jesus is the standard, which is eternal, then that's what we want, don't we? So I want to be rooted in Christ so all my issues disappear. He will heal the brokenhearted, correct? This is what he does through divine power. I can't do this. This is why we need grace, not covering grace's power to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, and then to send a healed on fire follower into the earth because of one promise. And how many promises are there? Well, I can't count them because apparently there's more, than the, there's more promises than the sand, grains of sand. He has more thoughts about you than the grains of sand. It's 
few beaches around there. I don't know. <laughs> How good is he, man? All right, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Why? What have you heard over the last 11 years you've been here for 11 last year? Why would you want to be holy and blameless before him? Which means you're going to stand before him, isn't it? So when you stand before him, you want to be holy and blameless. Why? That's why you'd want to be radiant and spotless and blameless and white garments, wouldn't you? Because you're realising you've just turned up and it's your wedding. <laughs> oh, poo, I wasn't ready. Oh, well, too bad now because it's the wedding of the lamb. You were supposed to be spotless and blameless because you were supposed to have got revelation because you're supposed to have sought me and understood the promise before the foundation of the earth because I wrote it down for you to know it, but it was concealed, hence you needed my Holy Spirit to reveal it all. So how well do you know the Spirit and how much time are you spending with the Spirit so He can do what He's been commissioned to do because the Holy Spirit wants to bring you and I into all that Jesus said. Oh, well, I quite like watching my football. Quite like spending time with my dogs. Not knowing you guys. <laughs> the newfound cat that we've got called Luna, who's gorgeous. Quite like spending time with my kids. Got my wife, got my job, got my other passions, got my fishing. I got my, I got my, I got my, I got my track there, got my. How much time is there left for the Lord? To fight for time, eh? Time's the greatest commodity. Well, if I don't give them all, then the chances of me knowing any of this stuff are pretty minimal. Because he says, come sit at my feet so I can teach you and you can learn from me. Because I'm humble at heart and I'm gentle, but I won't chase you. But I will. <laughs> but I won't. But I will. <clears throat> so, Ask the Holy Spirit to take these words and literally tattoo them on your heart and your mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to engrave those words on your heart and your mind because that's what he's been commissioned to do, correct? Jeremiah said, there'll come a time when no one will need a man to teach them because the Holy Spirit, the anointing, will teach you all things. No one will need anyone to tell you to know God because everyone will. These are these days. They've been these days for 2,000 years, but is he doing what he's been commissioned to do? Or are you unaware of the role that he was sent for? All right, there are three absolute promises that we are to believe in by revelation from the Spirit. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I love it, eh? Before I had a chance to mess it all up, I was chosen, which means I'm a son, I'm not a sinner. Get your little head round that sucker. He chose us to become holy and blameless before him. I will behold, I will become what I behold. Fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter. Not just the author, he's the author 
and the perfecter, who's going to do the perfecting work he is while you fix your gaze on him and not on you. He predestined us to adoption as his sons through his beloved son, Jesus. He predestined us, chosen, set apart, holy, blameless. So the promise is you're chosen to become Christ-like, yeah? So as a sinner running around 29 years trying to find life, I was pre-chosen to be someone else. Now I'm going to do this little drawing on the board, which seems to go down really well, so I thought I'd do it again. So we can see this, okay? So you've got Paul, Saul, Paul. Physically, where did this man start his life? There. But spiritually, where did he start his life? So God always knew he was going to be Paul here because he was chosen to be Paul here. So the challenge is you've got to figure out when you get born of the Spirit and become Paul who you really are at the beginning. Now I'm just a useless sinner saved by grace. I can't. Well, you can't, but he can. No, no, I don't believe. Wrong answer. Next contestant. All the excuses. I, I, I. No, that's right, but he can because this is who you have to discover who you are. Put your own name in there. I'll list some of the things here. What about this? Chosen to be son, not sinners. And then you figure out what it is to be as a son, correct? Okay, what about another one? Let's look at, that was a promise he gave us, wasn't it? Not a problem? Right, so he starts with the promise, not a problem, which means you have to rediscover what the real promise is. You're free to eat from any of the trees. Just don't eat that one. You know what we do? We do this. Don't eat that one tree. (laughs) Whatever you do. And we never get to talk about all the other trees in the garden. But God doesn't do that. God goes, you're free to eat all the stuff. Oh, mind you, just watch that one. See how we're back to front in relation to him. But when you go from this to this, you then get realigned and now you start thinking and seeing like he does because that's part of the flesh and it thinks like the flesh. So the flesh always sees back to front, but the spirit sees the right way around. And so as he does his work on you here, guess what? You get repositioned to hear and see and to live and to speak as he was. Okay, what about this one? Fellowship, function, fellowship. Did God create us for function? Why are so many people functional in their relationship with God? 
because that could be still our tap root. So it's all about what we do for God. Is that within the Scriptures? Yep. But empowered from fellowship and fellowship. So out of fellowship will come function. But you'll never get fellowship out of function. Out of fellowship comes function. Fellowship will never come out of function. This is a massive problem in the body of Christ today. Because all our identity, sense of meaning, well-being, purpose is all anchored here. And it's supposed to be anchored here. Because if you can't do function, if you're in a car accident and you're paralysed and you can't do any more function for God, do you actually, and have you got oneness with God that you're going to be okay? Or is all your sense of pride, ego, meaning, purpose, accomplishment going down the toilet because you have no idea what it's to be in fellowship with God and you are purely a functional being? But nobody, I would hope, gets into relationship for function first. I didn't marry Danny for function. Now function comes out of that fellowship, but I, that's not, I didn't have children for function. God, it's awesome, man. I've got two kids. They're going to do this, 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 this. And having fellowship with them is a real drag. Oh, I've got to spend time with them for fellowship. I just love it when they do all the function. That's how some of us live our relationship with God. Purely based on function because we're still here. What about life, death, life? So we actually start in life. The problem is we don't know that, do we? Because this is all concealed from us. Where does it say all this exists? In Christ. So when I'm born here, okay, so when, I'll just put me on here. This is Greg S. This is Greg Flesh. And this is Greg S. Greg, not Simnor, but Greg of the Spirit. <laughs> Quite like that though. <laughs> I'm going to say something else here, by the way. <laughs> so that's Greg Flesh. This is Greg of the Spirit. Okay. So when Greg F is born, Jesus Christ was concealed from me, which means I'm concealed from me because this Greg is in Christ. So I'm concealed from Jesus. I have no idea who Jesus Christ is and I have no idea who I really am. So I believe I am Greg of the flesh. I'm actually of Lillian and Alan Simnor here and I'm being taught and raised in the ways of God or man. Man. I have no concept of who Jesus is, God is, the ways of God and who I am in God, but that's where I was born before the foundations of the earth. So, appointed times. God, when God was pleased to reveal himself to who? Saul Paul. So when God is willing to reveal himself in and to you, because you did not choose God, God chose you. You might think you chose God, but you did not. He chose you and He's drawn you. 
reveal himself because he loved you in this state because the promise was you were going to be here. Tracking with me? So then all of a sudden you get born of the Spirit and you've got to figure out who you really are because you're not this. And this isn't about getting this fixed. This is messed up big time. This is not modification Christianity. This is a brand new life in Christ. So this all has to what? Die. Which means if that dies, and then you are the direct reflection of who you were at the beginning. Yeah, ain't that good news? So I'm not a loser. I'm not a sinner. I haven't been rejected. I'm accepted, and I'm figuring out through revelation who I really am in Christ so I can live a life that's by faith in Christ but I got crucified and I no longer live so that is dead the will of me gone dead that's the thing that dies 100% never to be resurrected so 1997 I died my will which is part of my soul died it has never ceased to exist from 1997 now my mind needs to be renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to live from my emotions, but I died. I know what Paul says when he says, I died. So the mind needs to be renewed so I can what? Live in the fullness of who I've been called to be from the beginning. So by the time I get to the end and I stand before him, what am I? Spotless, blameless, perfect, exactly as I was at the start you won't hear that in institutional Christianity what you'll hear is this you got saved now go get everyone else saved and you'll never realise who you really are at the beginning it's too good to be true but your mind can't contain any of what I've just preached because it doesn't come through the understanding of the mind all that comes from revelation of the spirit which means the Holy Spirit needs to take the Word of God and He then needs to what? Pierce and write. How did the Ten Commandments get on the two tablets of stone? Do you know? Did Moses get up there with his chisel and his hammer and go, what is it? Thou shall know, how do you spell that? Thou shall know, how am I going? And the next one, is that how it happened? How did it happen? The finger of God, which is typology for what? God is spirit. So the spirit, God, wrote with his finger, which is his power, on hard concrete stuff. Now, the Bible says the glory was on those two tablets, correct? So what made the tablets that were just rock have glory on it? What's on the tablets? His Word. So His Word contains glory. So God, with His finger, wrote on hard rock His Word. Boom, boom. A man grabs it, walks down the mountain, and what's happening to him? He's got a glow on. He's like that woman on the tilly, natural glow, you know. You want your natural glow? Because he's from Yorkshire. <laughs> I'm from Liverpool, we talk like that. But Yorkshire people talk like that. <laughs> Jeff Boycott play cricket, you know. 
So he's, he's got his natural, he's got glory, but is it in him? Where is it? It's on the tablets and he's holding them. So he's holding outside of him this tablets and because the words on the tablets, he's glorifying, he's glowing. Now what happens to the people? Oh my goodness. Now this glory, the Bible says, is going to fade because it's on tablets of stone and it was fading. So he would hide it so they wouldn't see the glory fade. Now, fast forward a few thousand years. Where is the glory to reside? Where? Where? Yeah, but where? In your heart. How is he going to get that same glory that's on those two tablets of stone that glowed up Moses on your heart? The same way he got it on the tablets of stone with his spirit, not the ink, which is natural. He's going to take his word and he's going to tattoo it on your heart. He's going to engrave. He's going to write it for it is Written Now, do you think when he does that, you can live here? And do you think you're going to go from what? Glory to, because this glory doesn't fade. This glory makes that glory look like nothing. That glory was something. A whole nation went, oh. Even Moses probably went, oh. And then God said, I'm going to take that and put it in the church. And you're going to know what you were before the foundations of the earth because you are perfect here and I'm going to do this work. And then he says this, Christ in you is the hope of... So the hope God has of getting His glory into the earth is where? In and through you. So is it happening? That's the question. You and I have an opportunity to shine with glory on the inside of us and it has nothing to do with us doing it, but everything to do with God doing it in us so we can actually manifest this thing through us and people would see His glory and glorify Him, not you and I. But that can't happen through ink. That can't happen through human intelligence study of words on a page. That's not how it gets on the tablets and it's not how it gets on your heart because you and I apparently are called to be a letter. And if you go look at 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 and 5 and I encourage you to go look at it, the entire context is God's glory. And it finishes with this saying this, everything I go through is momentary light affliction. This is Paul. What he went through was not momentary light affliction, was it? No, stoned to death, shipwrecked, left for dead, hated, trying to be killed. All that's momentary compared to something. What was it compared to? The eternal weight of glory. That's how the Christian life is radiating when you go through how on earth because you've got something greater in you because God is finishing the work that He started before the foundations of the earth. And he's perfecting us into whose image? Our image of him or his image of him? Romans 8, 28 to 31. And you don't do any of the work. The word does it in you because it was the word that actually caused the glory on the commandments. It's the word that gets it in you. But you're the recipient. So you know it ain't you, but it's coming in you and through you. 
So you're not sitting in the clouds somewhere singing kumbaya. You're an active disciple of Jesus who manifests the glory in you and through you because he is engraving and writing himself because it's him on your heart and mind. That is Christianity. Anything outside of that, it ain't Christianity. It's man-made religion. So there's the standard. (laughs) He leaves heaven, he comes to earth, and he takes everyone of earth, and he says, we're going up the mountain. We're not going to hover and have party around earth. See, what happens is we want to bring him down because he's too big. So people who live this get told, be quiet. You're a bit over the top. You're a bit too much. No, man, I just got eternal life in me. You can have it too. So rather than quench it, why don't we actually see the challenge and go, can we go up together? So he comes down to take you up. He doesn't come down to stay down. He comes down because you can't get to this place I'm describing on you, but he can take you up. And he says, set your mind on the things above. Come on, people. Why are we going round and round and round the mountain when this gospel, this life, my son has sent to bring you into who you were before so you can live this life now? So by the time you stand in front of your judgment, you have become who I called you to be. I am your source. And if he's the source, that's fully possible what I said. But if I'm still the tap root of me, it's not. I cannot find that life in a human demonic root. Amen. We're going to stop there. <laughs> so what we're going to do is get into groups and um, dialogue, pray. Some there's no there's no rules with this thing. You, the elder who's leading, you might go. I just think we need to pray for the next fifty minutes and ask for revelation. That's cool. Okay. It might start with a question. It may go, can I just unpack that? I don't get that. So let the Spirit guide the entire thing, all right? Is that cool?